the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host for today, and it is great to be with you. It's been great to be with you uh, all of this week. It'll be, uh, I won't be back again until uh, right after the New Year's Day holiday. I'll be back uh, the first couple of weeks of January. Looking forward to being there there with you, and um, and I'm glad I can be here with you right before Christmas. I hope that you are remembering the Savior with all the hustle and bustle and in all of the crazy things going on uh, that you are able to remember the Savior. You can give me a call this hour. We're going to talk about a couple of different things. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. That's the phone number. I encourage you to put that in your phone so you can just say uh, Siri or Alexa or whoever you're calling. Um, call SoCal Live, call Southern California Live, and you can give us a call uh, when things uh, come on your mind. You want to join our conversation. You can find out more information and get the podcast and other things at kkla.com or kprz.com. You can listen through Alexa, your apps on the phone, KKLA and KPRZ apps. Uh, I think it's important to know those things. That way you can tune in and be a part of this conversation every day uh, from 3 to 5 live in Los Angeles. So it's great to be with you. I hope you got your coffee. I've got mine, and I'm getting ready. I'm a Christmas Eve shopper. I've mentioned that before. You know what I like about that? I do some other, you know, looking around. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to do. Uh, what I like about being a Christmas Eve shopper, though, is that when you go to the mall on Christmas Eve or you go shopping, uh, most of the people there are just like you. I've noticed it's mostly men, not entirely so, but uh, mostly a bunch of guys. Some of them are frantic, but most of us, we kind of nod at each other and we know we're idiots. We're waiting for the last moment. We'll just take whatever is left. Uh, but there's a camaraderie. There is something there that just says, oh, yeah, you're just like me and I'm like you. We have this bond together. So it's a, it's a certain kind of festive. If you're a Christmas Eve person, you know what I mean. And if you're not a Christmas Eve person, this whole conversation probably freaks you out a little bit. But that's what I plan to do. So I'm looking forward to getting that done uh, Friday, then Christmas Eve service, which is so much fun to be with people and sing these songs. Let me ask you this. What is your favorite Christmas song? You can give me a call. I'd love to hear what is the most meaningful Christmas song to you. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. What is a meaningful Christmas song to you? What's your favorite? What's the one where you're disappointed if they don't sing it um, during church or Christmas Eve service? You know, one of mine that has become a favorite, it's an oldie, it's Joy to the World. And that seems like, you know, maybe the basic answer, well, yeah, Joy to the World. But, you know, I've thought about it a little bit more, and there's so much there. And we live in a time right now where we just need joy. And with all the scary news that's out there, this hour I want to encourage you to be joyful. C.S. Lewis famously said, joy is independent of our circumstances. And the idea that the joy that we have of the Lord, the joy that is really Christmas, the joy that we have in Jesus Christ, we need it. And we have it from Christ. And when you know that, you can have joy even though you might be sad about something. 
you can have joy even though circumstances are tough. And you can have joy that's in the Lord even when you have great circumstances where you're celebrating something, you know it's really great, you got what you want for Christmas or something really came through. You can still give glory to God for that joy, knowing that this world is temporary, but what we have through Christ is eternal. What are our circumstances now? If you just go through headlines, and I do this throughout the day, I go to a few different websites to kind of just see you know, what's going on. If you go to the Drudge Report uh, a few minutes ago, I went there. Here's the headlines right on the top, all right? Uh, troops to help hospitals. So if you click on that, you're learning that uh, the National Guard is being summoned for a lot of hospitals, and, and more and more people are getting um, put in hospital because of COVID, and ICUs are, are filling up again. It's not like the ICUs are just constantly empty. I mean, an interesting discussion we could have sometime is that the way hospitals are run is they're run their business. They're not really meant to be empty. There's an assumption that there's going to be people sick and injured pretty regularly. And, you know, a bunch of empty beds in the hospital doesn't work too well economically for the hospital. And so when we fill them up and we have COVID or if there's something else going around, a lot of flu or a lot of other stuff and, and those things fill up, it doesn't take that many people but they can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. So that's kind of why that happens. And that is happening. Some states are bringing in National Guard troops, doctors and nurses who are part of the National Guard to help uh, where the shortfall. Next headline, Bill Gates says, the worst part is still to come. That's the headline. I'm not sure if he's talking about COVID or if he's talking about his haircuts. What's the worst part? That wasn't very nice, Scott, was it? I don't know. Uh, Maybe he's talking about, Never mind. Uh, I'm assuming that means COVID. I didn't click on it and read the article. Some of those things are just, it's clickbait, right? It wants you to get nervous. That's how this works is, and all sides do it, left and right media, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all of it is you click on it, you go to their website, and what they really want you to do is click on the pop-up ad that's there because they make money. And they make money by bringing you there and they make money. That's why they insert those commercials, those ads right in the middle of the story in different parts. It's all... Um, how this organiz- how things work today. Uh, UK, next headline is the UK has record cases. Germany, the next headline, Germany, fourth shot is needed. So we're just, we're arguing about the third shot. They're into the fourth already. And then uh, VAX status could be tracked with a microchip. Wait, what? What's this microchip? Uh, I did click on that. So I click on it and there's this whole story in there about how in uh, Europe, in uh, Switzerland, I think they're working on a microchip that gets implanted into your arm that would become your COVID vaccine uh, passport. And uh, so basically you put a microchip in your arm and then you get an app on your phone and um, you can scan people's arms and give them their vaccination status. How do you feel about that? Uh, that technology is here. They're not selling that yet, but they're working on it, and they're saying this is going to happen. Now, they, the microchip in the arm has been around actually for quite a while, about 20 years. Uh, certain groups have done that for different reasons. There's a lot of different uh, uses for it. In fact, if you click on this link and you watch the video there, the guy describes what happens, and he's got it in his arm. He's a tester, and they put a cell phone over it, and it reads the the app says he's vaccinated, and uh, I guess he can go in and uh, have his burger or whatever at the restaurant that he wouldn't be allowed to go into, apparently. That's how that's going, right? And then he says something really interesting. He says, well, we use it for, for this purpose today, but next year we'll use it for something else. Ah, see, and I know some of you are saying, Mark of the Beast. And, you know, let me, t- let me tell you, it certainly is interesting in that direction. I want to make it really clear that this microchip is not in itself the mark of the beast. And even vaccine mandates, 
those things in themselves are not the mark of the beast. And it's important to know this, that nobody is going to be tricked into getting something that will will take away their eternal hope. Okay, it's not going to be a trick. That one day when the time comes, when there really is the mark of the beast, when there really is something that you need to take incredibly, incredibly serious uh, with respect to your soul, it will be a decision that you make openly about who you're going to worship. And it will not be ambiguous. You will make a decision about worshiping Jesus or worshiping the beast. That's how that's going to go. And, uh, but here's a question I have for you. Would you get the microchip implanted? Would you do this kind of technology? You don't even need that. I went into uh, the Amazon store. Do you know there's an Amazon actual walk-in stores that you can go into now? If you've been to one of these, you can find them in the malls. Um, and it's kind of interesting because they have this brick and mortar, you know, facing on the front. And it's, it's very smart, I think, that they do it that way because Amazon, in one sense, is putting the brick and mortars out of business, we used to say. But now Amazon is creating these stores where you walk in. And you go in there, nothing has a price on it. You scan the item on your phone, and then you can take it to the register, and they just charge your Amazon account. Well, I went in there to get something, and I noticed that they have this new pay-by-palm device that what you do is it will read your, your palm. You put your right hand on it. It will read your palm. And then if you want to pay with your Amazon account, you just wave your palm over it. See, that's happening now. This whole microchip business, that's, that's probably old news. Now it's just right in your palm print. Now, once again, the palm print, this whole thing is not in itself the mark of the beast. In fact, it's super convenient, I suppose. Uh, I haven't done it. But, you know, if you forget your wallet, you forget uh, this stuff, you still go in and pay for things. You don't want to carry cash? No problem. You just do this. You want to just pay for things? Well, you always have it with you. Let me ask you this question. You can call me up at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. How do you feel about that? And would you get it, knowing that this business in itself is not the mark of the beast, but knowing something that clearly this is pointing to something in the future? Clearly, this is something that could be used for evil. You know, for 2,000 years, most people didn't really understand a lot of what was in the book of Revelation. They understood it meant end times. Most people, there's different theories about different things. But most people looked at it and they said, well, I don't really know how this would happen when there's not really an Israel. I guess we need to take this very figuratively. But since 1948, there really is an Israel. And people would look at this and they would say, well, Napoleon's the Antichrist or Hitler's the Antichrist or some of these guys are the Antichrist. And, uh, but there was no Israel. And you kind of wondered, well, how would, you know, in Revelation chapter 13, it says that you will not be allowed to buy or sell um, those who uh, get this mark of the beast. Uh, if you don't worship the beast, ultimately, if you aren't connected to him, you will not be allowed to buy or sell. How would somebody actually do that, practically speaking? That was a question for a long time. It's not a question at all now. It's very, very, very clear how easy this would be done. We don't know all the details, and people put out a lot of theories about Revelation, what it means and who it is and this and that, and we'll know when the time comes. But the point I'm trying to make is this, that if you read through the book of Revelation, you're not going to understand all of it, but you're going to understand the big picture. But you're also going to have pictures come into your mind about how this would actually work. Does this scare you? I mean, when you hear this story that I can go into the shop and just pay with my hand or that you can do that or that you get the microchip in your arm, is it scary for you? See, the thing is, is it's super convenient, isn't it? 
I mean, it solves all kinds of problems. They're using it for, you know, the vaccination passport thing that uh, is likely coming. But you can also use the same thing for all kinds of payment. I mean, I think there's going to be new crimes, right, where people kidnap you and they take your hand so that they can buy stuff or do other stuff with it. That's going to be kind of gross. But maybe on Halloween, there'll be some kind of crime spree with that. I don't know. Does it scare you? Let me encourage you this way. Do not fear. Do not let it scare you. I think that there are a lot of people, even preachers, talking about the end times and stuff. And I think because it just feels like it's so in our face and we look at this stuff in the news, we look at it and we say, gosh, this seems like this could be the time. And you know what? It could be. We could be getting really close. But I also like to say it could be that this is going to be way off. This will very likely become something like this, the way that we do commerce, the way that human beings on earth do commerce uh, in the future. It might be that you're, that babies, when they're born, they get something implanted or they, you know, that it just might be the normal way of things. And that makes sense too, because how, you know, eventually that might be the way of it. But do not fear, because what it is showing us is that the Bible is true. It's showing us that God's promises are true. No one understood this for 2,000 years. Now you can look at it and everybody understands it. And people make excuses and they say, well, you know, this and that. How would John predict something like this 2,000 years ago? How would he predict a commerce system that would make no sense, really? Well, it's coming coming to fruition. Have joy. I'm telling you all that because you read these headlines and you go to these news sites and you turn on your cable news, whatever it is, and it's a downer, isn't it? It's, you know, once in a while you get a good story, but mostly it's bad news and these guys are bad and you go to the other station and the guys that were telling you that they're bad, now they're bad and everybody's bad and everything's bad and everybody's going to get sick. We need to have joy as believers. We need to be the truth tellers in the culture, but we also need to be the joyful ones regardless of our circumstances. That doesn't mean that you you pretend that you're happy if you're sad. It doesn't mean that you pretend to not have troubles when you do. But the joy that surpasses understanding is the joy that we get from Christ, the joy of Christmas. The reason this season is so great is that we have a certain joy that comes from the Lord. Joy to the world. One of my favorite songs. I want to go through that a little bit. You can give me a call, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Tell me what your favorite song is. Tell me uh, you know, how you feel about these new ways of purchasing or other stuff. Does it bother you? Do you have a question about it? I'm a pastor. You can ask a pastor. 888-528-2557 is our number. Did you know that Joy to the World actually is a song that's about the second coming of Christ more than the first. I think an important thing to do with any music is to read the lyrics, find out what they mean, what is really being communicated. It is with Christian songs, with Christian hymns, whatever praise song you're singing, uh, go through it. And you might find that it's coming from scripture that you never thought. I had a guy one time write me, he was really upset about a song that he didn't like that we sang. And he said, there was nothing scriptural about it, nothing at all. And the funny thing is that the entire song was just a psalm. The whole thing was scriptural, every line. Uh, but he didn't quite understand that. But he was gracious when he realized that. You know, we can get so critical sometimes of things, or we think things mean something differently. Do some looking at the songs. Popular music, you know, you look at it, but it's going to it's gonna scare you. There's some stuff you shouldn't even look at. There are, there are popular music songs that I cannot read on the radio. I'm not even sure how they get played on the radio. It's very scary that 
this is the popular music. You know, and some people say, well, the popular music is influencing the culture. And to that I say, well, the culture is buying it, though. They wouldn't be writing it and putting it out there if it wasn't making money, if there wasn't a market for it. It's probably a circular problem. But take a look at the songs that you sing and open up your Bible. Find out where they come from. Joy to the world. You want to follow me along? Follow, follow along with me on this. We'll talk about it. You can join the conversation anytime you'd like. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live. All right, joy to the world. This is the first verse. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. This verse is why I started liking the song in a new way uh, in the past year. And it's really this last line, and heaven and nature sing. Uh, Nature sing. You know, we don't think about that very much, but that's kind of weird, right? What do you mean nature sing? This is a Christian song. What does that mean? Heaven and nature sing. And I think what moved me by this is because this last year, the last two years just about, what is happening to us? We are being affected. The particular evil that has been such a big part of our life is something that's part of nature. It's a corrupted part of nature, this virus. And all the responses that we have had to it, we, we good or bad, we are responding to part of nature that is corrupted in this world. And now we have this song that says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Nature is going to sing. Heaven is going to sing. Nature sing. The second verse, it goes like this. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. It's more nature. It didn't occur to me. I've sung this song thousands of times. I've heard it. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard this song. It's probably the most one of the most famous songs. And here we have, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sound and joy. It's more nature repeating joy to the earth. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about the depth of this writing? Where does it come from? Why do we sing this? Have you really thought about how magnificent this is and what it means? The hymn writer was Isaac Watts, and he published Joy to the World, in 1719. This song is 200 years old. Most songs lose their meaning after a while, even Christmas songs, even Christian songs. Um, If you look at the songs that you're singing in church today, you can go to the CCLI website. It's the copyright website, okay? uh, uh, That's how artists who write these songs, they get paid today, okay? It's a system that's, that's put up there. And churches have to report to this website what songs they're singing. It sounds like a weird thing, but that's how the songwriters make a living, okay? Well, they keep track of what the most sung songs are, right? What songs are churches singing? How's it, and it changes. Every few years, it's a complete, completely different set of songs at the top. Maybe there's one song that sticks around a long time. And if you think about it, whatever songs you were singing in your church, uh, in a lot of churches in 2010, you're not singing in, in 2021, most of the time. Now, some of you are singing the same songs. You've been singing the same songs for you know, 70 years, it's probably time to upgrade it a little bit. You probably, uh, you might have a hymn book in your church. We've got them in ours. Go through it. There's like 800 hymns and readings in the hymn books that we have in our church. Most of them I've never heard in my life. Most of them probably have not been sung by anyone for forever. 
and it's because they just sort of lose their meaning or maybe the tune was hard to sing. It never really made an impact for a while. But some songs stay with us. Joy to the World is one of those songs. The hymn writer Isaac Watts, he published it in 1719. We sing it at Christmas, celebrating the great news of the incarnation, and we declare, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and angels sing. But here's something interesting about this. At Christmas, we're celebrating the incarnation of Christ, meaning that it's the coming of Jesus, the, the, the Christ child into the world, the coming of Jesus at Bethlehem. And it's great that we sing the song at Christmas time. It's the appropriate time to sing this word, this song for sure. But it's really about the second coming of Christ. Did you know that? It's actually about that. It's not written to be a Christmas song specifically. It comes from Psalm 98. I'll go through that a little bit later in the in the show. Um, the number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you want to give me a call, tell me what your thoughts are about your favorite Christmas song, something that is meaningful uh, to you. And I'll take your calls here in just a couple of moments after the break. I see your calls up there. Uh, and that's exciting. And Christmas songs are really great. But I want you to think about this this Christmas. Go through and go line by line of your favorite Christmas carols and figure out what they mean scripturally. I think it'll bless you. I'll finish up talking about joy of the world and taking your calls, but I think you're going to find this to be a blessing. It is such an amazing, amazing song during this time when we have so many things that would take away our joy, and yet we have the promise of Christ for eternity that brings permanent and everlasting joy. This is Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-52-TALKS, LA Talks, 888-528-2557. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're talking about your favorite Christmas songs. I'm sharing a little bit about one of mine joy to the world, but I want to hear from you about what are your favorite Christmas songs, the ones that are meaningful, the ones that are fun to sing, the ones that really draw you closer to Christ, the true meaning of Christmas. You can give me a call. Let me know right now. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. Gretchen from Mission Hills, welcome to Southern California Live and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How you doing, Gretchen? So sing Charles Wesley Evangelist wrote this first, and then Mendelssohn added the music later, Felix Mendelssohn. Right. And the second verse, everyone knows the first, is meaningful. Do I have enough time to go through three? You want to go through the second, the second verse and what it means to you? Well, actually, the fourth. All right. Is that Hail the Incarnate Deity? Is that the fourth verse? There's many verses. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, that is Christ. Bruise in us the serpent's head, which is in the beginning of Genesis. And maybe you could quote that for me. Um, Adam's likeness now is faith. So... We are unfortunately under the curse. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. 
You know, that's a great a great verse. You know, what you get from uh, this song in particular is one a song that is, and thank you very much for calling, Gretchen. Appreciate that. You get a lot of theology in it. And, you know, that verse is not always listed. I looked it up in a couple of places, and, you know, this verse gets dropped. Some of these songs, these older songs, there's multiple verses, okay? Most hymn books, you know, there's maybe three or four verses included, but many songs, especially the old ones, have multiple verses, and sometimes they're dropped just because the language in it is is kind of ancient, um, archaic, hard to understand today, so we just don't. And, uh, you know, come desire of nations come, fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. It's, re- it's referring to Genesis chapter 3, and um, where the curse happens, okay? It's the beginning of the curse after the fall of Adam and Eve, and sin has entered into the world. And ever since then, the desire of nations is to have this joy in the Lord, and Jesus comes. The promise of Jesus comes in Genesis 3. It's fulfilled in the New Testament, and there's all these prophecies, and Jesus comes again in the end. And it is uh, such a great part of the Christmas story. If you study that song, you look into it, you get a lot of theology, you get a lot of Bible. I encourage you to take a song like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and look up these passages. That particular song will take you through a lot of Scripture, and it uses great words like the triumph of now, the victory that we have. There are so many great things to bring you joy at Christmas. What are some songs that bring you joy at Christmas? What are the ones that you really like the best? 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. One of those songs I've been talking about is Joy to the World, and I think Hark the Herald Angels Sing and what Gretchen brought up in the whole, that verse that she talked about, it talked about the curse that happens. How many of you feel like you're living in a curse now? Well, you know what? You kind of are. And part of Joy to the World, not kind of are, you are. We're living in that, you know, that the, the scourge that's upon us is part of that curse. Joy to the World where we left off, it's talking about how heaven and nature sing, you know, and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. The next verse is joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Before the break, I was saying that this song is actually about the second coming of Christ. And one of the reasons that there's joy to the world is that really this song is about the end of the curse, the end of the curse that Gretchen was bringing up from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It comes primarily from Psalm 98. Did you know this is coming from a psalm? This is it. Here's how it goes, Psalm 98. You ready? Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, to think about this. Joy to the world, because here comes the judge. That's actually what the song is about. 
yes, we have the Christ child and he's going to come and he's going to live and he's going to be the sacrifice for our sins. But this song is actually about the time when Jesus comes where he is going to be the king, not to die this time, but to reign, where he is going to come and judge. So look at verse 3 of the song. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. There's that word again, curse. When Jesus comes again at the end, my friends, this is, this is what is so impactful about Christmas and Easter and what is going to be accomplished. The reversal of the curse from Genesis 3 is, the promise, is promised in the coming of the Messiah and the fulfillment of his atoning work. The third verse implicit here is the promise of new creation. That's where the book of Revelation goes. That's where we're headed. New heaven and new earth, new creation. You're already a new creation when you accept Christ as your Savior. This idea that you've been made new, you're in a new family, you're in the family of God, what you, your flaws, your sins, the things that aren't right with God, they have been made righteous in Christ. And the curse is going to go away. See, we live in light of this promise as we live in this world, even as we look back to Bethlehem at Christmas time, as we celebrate Christmas. We're living in light of the promise that the, the curse is going to be removed. So look carefully at the reference to the curse. Christ's victory over sin is declared to extend far as the curse is found. What curse? And how far does this curse extend? Have you thought about that? Do you sing that verse over and over again? Far as the curse is found, far as the curse. You keep singing it. Do you realize how powerful this is? And notice in the Psalm 98, the noise and the praise of the creation. Let heaven and nature sing. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let the sea resound and everything in it and the world and all who live in it. Such an amazing thing. See, there is so much depth here. When you think about the curse that you see in Genesis 3, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, you have this this perfect life where people walked with God and they had basically one command, don't eat of that tree. They got to be with God. They eat of the tree, sin comes in the world, and then there is the curse that we're dealing with. And then you read through the Bible and you're, you're dealing with law and now there's all these different rules and people crying out for God to save them, prophecies of the Savior coming. The last word of the New Testament is the word curse, or the Old Testament is the word curse. And then Jesus comes. He dies and he defeats death. And when he comes again at the end, there will be what? No more sorrow, no more pain, no more curse, no more COVID, no more disease, no more sadness, no more death. For artistic reasons, I think we drop some of these verses sometimes. You know, I think we do that sometimes because we just need to get out earlier for lunch, right? Oh, let's just skip to the fourth verse. And some songs, it doesn't really matter. But some songs, we take away the actual meaning of the song when we do that. And I think it's a good discipline for us to really take a look. What are your favorite Christmas songs? What are the ones that give you joy? I'd love to hear yours as I share mine here. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host here on Southern California Live. We're talking about joy to the world and uh, this being one of my favorite songs and just getting into it a little bit. And if you want to do a devotional for Christmas, take a look at the Christmas songs that we sing. I mean, isn't the idea of the curse being taken away a great part of the Christmas message? It's even a bigger reason for us to have joy. 
There are so many reasons that when we look at the news and the world around us to not have joy. But there's much bigger reasons for us to have true joy. In Christ, heaven and nature sing. The curse is gone. Not just the curse for human beings, but the curse on the earth is gone. That's the message. And love and truth and grace reign in his kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. Verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The nations are doing a lousy job today. Have you noticed? But they're proving something. The nations are proving that we can't do this on our own. The nations are proving that as smart as we are, we just can't quite get it. That's what the nations are are proving. They're proving the glories of the righteousness of God, that this is the perfect plan of Jesus, not just to wipe out this virus or the other scourges of the earth, the violence of war and all of that, but everything that is evil. Not just to remove one evil, but the injustices here and there and all of it. And how much of it? As far as the curse is found, wherever the curse is reaching. This is why we have a message of joy to the world, because the Lord has come. See, isn't that good? Do you want to know why this song has lasted for 200 years? That's why. It is such a great, great, deep, scriptural message. You will probably sing this song this week. You're certainly going to hear it somewhere. And now you know something about it. I'd love to hear what your favorite songs are. What are the ones that you like the best? 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. You know, and you might have the opportunity to share the meaning of songs. If you're, if you're going to bring somebody who maybe is not a believer to you to your Christmas Eve service, you're going to sing these songs, you know, ask them, hey, do you know what this song means? You'll probably sing Joy to the World. I'm giving you something here. You can, they'll, you can say, hey, do you know what that song means, Joy to the World? They'll probably say, well, not really, Joy, little baby, it seems nice. You can say, he came to remove the curse as far as the curse is found. Everything that's, you know, you're going to have to explain that a little bit. Curse is kind of a weird word for modern ears. But it sure makes sense when it really, when you really think about it, when you really put it in the context of our lives. All right, I see your calls. I'll get to them right after the break. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Let me know a Christmas song that you love, something that's meaningful to you, something you're always excited to sing. What is your favorite Christmas carol, and what does it mean to you? love to hear from you right here on Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your guest host. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host for today. It's great to be with you. We're talking about your favorite Christmas songs, the ones that are most meaningful, talking about song meanings, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Gene from Winnetka. Gene, welcome to Southern California Live. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Scott. Thank you for your program and I love all of the traditional Christmas carols, Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite, more modern ones, I'll say, I believe it's like 25 years old or something like that, is Mary, Did You Know? Yeah. Because it asks a question to a mother of a baby, did you have any idea who this child was? Yeah. And that you're kissing the face of God. So I just love that. 
Cattle. It's a it's a really thoughtful song. Let me ask you this question: Did Mary know? <laughs> I think she did, but I don't even think that she realized that meant. I mean, obviously, she knew that it was from the Holy Spirit that God had touched her life. Yeah. But I don't think that she realized that that was God. I think uh, so many people think of the Son of God is like it's a son that she was holding the God. And, well, I think she knew. Yeah. She knew quite a bit. She knew quite a bit. Thank yeah. you for your thank you for yeah. your call, Gene. I appreciate that. You know, the song okay. has. Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Merry thank Christmas. You. Bye. You're welcome. The uh, song says, you know, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water, that he would save our sons and daughters, uh, that uh, he would give sight to the blind man, that calm a storm with his hand, very specific things there uh, that it asks. And we don't know for sure all that, that she knew specifically, but if you look at Luke chapter 1, after Mary learns that she's going to have this child, you know, the answer is she knew quite a lot. She was extremely faithful. She must have known her scriptures pretty well. It's uh, Mary's song. It's called the Magnificent. There's a couple of Christmas songs in the Bible, and uh, Mary's song might be the greatest. Um, she says, "My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant." And she says this. She says, "From now on, all generations will call me blessed." I mean, that's pretty pretty good understanding all generations, and we do call her blessed, don't we? And she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm and has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. The answer to the question, Mary, did you know? The answer is yes, she knew. You know, there were things maybe she didn't quite figure out, but she understood who this baby was. And there's certainly things she didn't quite get, right? I mean, we know that, that uh, you know, being mama Jesus must have been hard. must have been hard to have him also being the mama James. You know, did you say to James things like, why can't you be more like Jesus? There must have been a lot of pressure. And there were certain things where, we know that she didn't know everything, but she sure did know the big picture. Luke chapter one. What's your favorite Christmas song? What's so meaningful to you? 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Jackie from Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. Merry Christmas, Jackie. Merry Christmas. Um, My favorite song, it's not a religious song, but Uh it's White Christmas. I'm dreaming Uh of a white Christmas. Yeah. And the reason why it's so meaningful to me is because my dad he always played that he my dad passed away about five years ago mm. and he always played that song and he always watched the movie white christmas and right. we watched it together and oh. now i watch it with my grandbabies i just watched it um two days ago actually, yeah with my granddaughter and it just brings back so many beautiful memories of family time I've never been in the snow except once with Big Bear. <laughs> yeah. But my dad, he just loved that song. And it just brings back so much memories of just my dad singing it, happiness, and 
it just means a lot to me. And I just wanted to share that. You know, I appreciate that very much, Jackie. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, that movie, by the way, is a great movie. White Christmas, if you ever watched it, we watch it as a family every year. Uh, my boys, 12 and 9, they suffer through it, but uh, they're liking it better every year. And you know what, uh, Jackie, it's, uh, thank you for calling Jackie, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for sharing that about your dad. My wife, it's her, my wife, Christy, it's her favorite movie, and it reminds her of her dad. We kind of have that in common in our in our families. Uh, she did grow up, she grew up in Washington, got some snow. It's funny that you'd say you'd never seen snow except in Big Bear. Um, that's kind of the experience for a lot of us who have always been in Southern California, the whole notion of white Christmas, you know, we're going to have a wet Christmas, I think this year, that's for a lot of us, that's the closest we've ever been to it. I've actually had snow. I've actually been in snow twice on Thanksgiving, but never on Christmas. Uh, as far as I can remember once as a kid, I think it snowed the week. I grew up in Palmdale snows once in a while up there. It snowed right after Christmas once when I was a kid up there. And that's the closest I've ever been. I think that's one of the powerful things about music about poetry set to music it brings us back somewhere doesn't it it brings us back to things that are the most meaningful in jackie's case to her dad who passed away uh just a few years ago and uh, thank you for sharing that memory with us appreciate that jackie we all have those memories we've got a couple more minutes if you want to call and share your favorite christmas song the memories what it's meaningful what's meaningful to you 888-52-TALKS 888-LA-TALKS 528-2557. That's 888-528-2557. I also think there's something very meaningful about singing with each other and having the opportunity to come together and sing these Christmas songs and really be with one another. There are some great statements and great things that we learn uh, from these songs. And, uh, it's pretty good. I'd sure love to hear some of your other songs. I love Silent Night. You know, it's such a meaningful one. We Three Kings of Orient are. I was I was someplace where they just decided to do one verse of We Three Kings recently. So I guess that they were just uh, one king uh, that they were celebrating. I know they didn't think of it that way, but I always thought, you know, of all the songs, you can't really cut out uh, the verses there very well. It's three kings. You got three gifts. You got you to gotta bring it. You got to bring the whole the whole thing. One of the things that you also learn in the Christmas story and the story even of Mary is that they were expecting a Savior. Do not doubt that with even all of Israel's problems, with them being away from the Lord, that the Word of God was preserved. With people like Mary, we call that group of people the the remnant of Israel who kept the truth, who were working to keep the law of Moses, and who were expecting the Savior. And you get Mary and Elizabeth, and they knew these prophecies. They knew the prophecies from the book of Isaiah, for example. So many great things there. Isaiah, you know, one of the the famous verses in the book of Isaiah, and it talks about the darkness of the world and light entering into the world. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you know that today we call Jesus every one of those things? Mighty God, Jesus is God. That The concept of that people didn't really understand until Jesus 
actually came, that Jesus would be God, when Jesus would say, I, me and the Father are one, and he would send us the, the comforter that he promised to still be with us. Jesus is God. Everlasting Father, Jesus is the source of all creation. Did you know that? Hebrews tells us that. Wonderful Counselor. You know, the only story about God in any religion where God comes to suffer is in Christianity. Jesus came here to be with us, to suffer in our place, and to go through the things that we've gone through. And he himself has gone through issues with family, issues with money, pain issues, rejection issues. It's all there with Jesus. He understands what you're going through. Note that it says to us, a son is given. In the context here, the context of this is is war and battle and an unfaithful king who's going to go to secular countries for hope to save his country. And Isaiah is going to him saying, no, you can still hope in the Lord. You can still trust the Lord. And that king unfortunately says no. And then in chapter 7, what you get is the sign, the sign that a virgin will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. My friends, this Christmas and every Christmas, God has given you a sign. Do you know that? Some of you ask for a sign, you know, God doesn't really like that. Don't ask him for a sign. He's already given you one. That's the best answer. And the sign that he's given you is the coming of Jesus Christ to be with you, that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. This is Christmas time. Everybody, it has been great to be with you. I'm so uh, excited every time I get to talk with you. I look forward to being with you right after New Year's again, right here on Southern California Live on KKLA, Los Angeles, and KPRZ in San Diego. I want to encourage you. There's some great Christmas resources at kkla.com and kprz.com if you're in San Diego. Check it out. Connect with these stations here. We're your, your radio family, but it ties us together in our different churches, even our different traditions but in our faith in Jesus Christ, because we are one church together, celebrating the Savior who came to take away the sin of the world. This is great. It is great to be with you. I want to encourage you to do that. I'm Scott Furrow, and uh, thank you for your time today. I look forward to being with you again here uh, right after New Year's. God bless you. Have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'll see you later. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.